Hello, welcome back to Sports Babble. We finally have some Premier League action to talk about. Some of us will be happy enough to talk about it. Two of us, might, maybe not so much, but um, we're going to get into it today. We're going to talk about the weekend results. A good weekend for Chelsea in the end. Not a great weekend for Liverpool, really. They sort of stuttered, and we'll get into that. Um, and, well, we'll let Johnny take over the Arsenal content. Obviously, that will be his realm he can get into. Um, yeah, so... Decent enough results, but we'll we'll put that aside in a minute. We just want to talk about what happened last night. Um, Burnley obviously were playing Manchester City um, in the in the Monday night kickoff at the Etihad, and about ten minutes you'll probably have seen this, but about ten minutes after um, the the kickoff, where the players have would have taken a knee. And remember, the players have Black Lives Matters on the back of their shirts. Some morons from Burnley decided to fly a plane over the Etihad with the slogan, All Lives Matter. Now, if you need to be educated on why why that isn't something you should be saying, then um, hope, hopefully natural selection will sort sort you out in the, in the end run, to be honest. Um, it was an absolute disgrace, and it doesn't reflect on Burnley. I saw people asking for Burnley to be deducted and points and all this here and thrown out. That's, that's harsh on Burnley because it's not all Burnley fans, and you need to be really careful... Sometimes when you rope a whole uh, set of a fan base under uh, a certain term or, or whatever. But I thought Ben Mee, boys, um, after it was absolutely outstanding. Yep, excellent. When he yep. came out and he showed real leadership. I don't know what you two thought of it. You can jump in now, but I just thought he was a, a brilliant. Like, it was really powerful, actually, to hear him say that. Yeah, yeah, he was right in what he said. It was a small minority of Burnley fans and doesn't represent you know, what he said was his club, like, so you're going to get, there's dickheads everywhere, lads, we can't really, you know, there's all, they're always going to be there no matter what, but, um, like you said, people need educated on, they're kind of forgetting, like, this is about, you know, black people have suffered for years, and what they went through, we will never understand as, you know, young white men, because like, we've never had the experience that. So let's just not lose sight of what this is all about. And fucking dickheads flying planes over football stadiums need to wise up. What do you think, Brenton? Yeah, that um, I think it was quite telling the way um, Sean, Dy- Sean Dyche came out immediately. And, and he, I don't think he'd even read the statement that the club had, had brought out. Um, but he'd said that I'm sure I'll, I know what it's going to say. Um that we're absolutely against it. It's it's not affiliated with this club at all. And I don't think, from what he said, the players didn't know what the, they heard the plane, but they didn't know what it said until after the game. And he said, he actually said, Sean Dyche said that one of his players said, "Gaffer, we need to go out and address this immediately." And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Ben Me, but probably it could have been anyone. Um, but as the captain, uh, as a club captain, like he came out and um. He said he was he was perfect in what he said. He said he was embarrassed multiple times, um, that that these people don't represent his club as, as Jerry said, um, because like it, we're sick of it at this point. Do you know what I mean? Like, hopefully these people are are gonna eventually get the message that um they're they're not wanted near football, and I think that's that's the issue that some people kind of. Tech with football that it's you know there's there's a hooliganism attached to it and um, these sorts of people um, thrive in a in a football arena um, but I think the players ever since the the start of this whole movement the play, the Premier League players have been great they initiated the whole Black Lives Matter they wanted it on their on their tops um, you know seeing um, a lot of players at the forefront um, of the movement. Big, you know, big players. Rashford, Sterling, Henderson at Liverpool has been really good. Um, so, yeah, I think it's great when it comes directly from the players because these are the people who everyone kind of looks up to in the world of football. And if if they're gonna constantly be saying that this th- this type of thing is wrong, then hopefully eventually these assholes will get the message. Yeah, it's you. You would like to think that, but I mean, as Johnny said beforehand, we can't we can't police everyone, and uh, I think as well, I, I would make a point if if you haven't, um, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't checked Bernie's um, 
statement out yet, don't go on the Twitter and check it out. Go on to the actual the club website and check it out because unfortunately a lot of the comments under their Twitter post are diabolical just and you'll end up in a wormhole like I did last night and um, just frying my head wondering how these people can even get on like this. But um yeah it's it 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 was just really like I ended up obviously I had a vested interest last night wanting Burnley to do something, but I ended up wanting Burnley to get thumped, uh, which they did in the end, but nothing against the players or the staff. I'm a big fan of Sean Dyche. I love that he's scary like Batman when he talks. Like It's one of my favourite things about the Premier League at the minute and, and whatever and the way what he's done at Burnley. And it's nothing against the players or a lot of the fan base, just those morons. Um, and even Bemi said it, it, it did affect the players. like, And you could tell at times like they weren't... And there were missing players, but you could tell at times the bits that I saw of some of the match that um, they were well off. Now, the, that part of that would have been the break, but also you could you could just tell there was something in the air as well when that had happened that all was not right. And he did say that they'd spotted it and, and then talked about it. And I think one of the five live reporters said that he, he, he came straight out of the tunnel and said, I want to speak about this straight away. I want I want to talk about this straight away, yeah. um, and he did. So um, look, hopefully um, it was it, it was mindless act, and that company that uh, sanctioned <clears> it, hopefully um, they're reprimanded as well. But um, it, it it's just raised it even more now, and, and a lot of the good people that that um, are supporting Black Lives Matter, like ourselves or whatever, and and, and high profile people, it's going to just highlight it even more that more needs to be done. So if it works out in the end that more is done and changes made, then. Well done, you morons! Um, you actually uh, pushed it even further, and yeah, and um, we'll stamp you out. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, another weird day in, in twenty twenty. Um, also last night, just to talk on football, because this is a football podcast. Um, Real Oviedo won the Sturian Derby. <laughs> yes, they beat Sporting Ihon one 0 through a Borja Sanchez goal. Um, since uh, Ihon Sporting Ihon came back down into Segunda. Uh, I think it was 2016. Um, Oviedo haven't actually beat them, so to get the first win last night when they were dancing with um, the relegation zone was uh, pretty pivotal. And um, I had to try and quietly roar the house down because Finbo was asleep, but I really enjoyed it, and um, it was a nice release for me to get away from Premier League meltiness and and watch that in, in silence and on my own and just enjoy what was going on. So yeah, a big win for Oviedo. The play when Labrada on. Thursday night so hopefully get a second win and um, kick on and get away from safety because I really can't be bothered with them getting relegated that'll be devastating but um, this is the Premier League show today Brenton Doyle will be coming back next week to talk to us more about La Liga but we're going to focus solely on the Premier League um, we will start with Arsenal um, I think it's only fair Johnny's yes. been waiting Johnny's been waiting since Saturday at 5 o'clock um, to come on and talk about Arsenal and I think also to fight the whole city of Brighton by the sounds of it but um, we'll get into this Johnny um, let's go where, where do you start What what's going on what's gone wrong um, do you want to talk about Saturday's game or do you want to talk about how you feel about some of the players or the, the mic is yours turn on first of all I hope Brighton get fucking relegated because they're bone the bastards <laughs> honestly I hope they fucking get relegated I am I am Supporting every team that plays Brighton the rest of the season. Even well, this is going on the explicit uh, ratings. <laughs> oh, well, it always is. I'm sorry that I, it I, is, yeah. I am. I am the reason why the sports babble is explicit. Like, and I, I apologise for that. But <laughs> you know, I, I warned you. I pretty warned you before the Premier League came back, lads. That it wasn't gonna wasn't gonna go down well for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I, I suppose we we can talk briefly about the Man City game and how David Luiz's career is absolutely over for Arsenal I think it's been clear for a while but like how amateur is that like you don't even see that down the park that mistake he made for the Sterling goal is it though over because um, Arteta kind of came out in support for him yeah Arteta Arteta has been very vocal on how he likes David Luiz and would like to keep him but like, we keep David Luiz for another year that's another 7 million in wages when that can go to players like Bakao Saka, who is the future of Arsenal and deserves those types, well, he's not going to get... David Luiz is on, from what I've heard, rumoured 200 grand a week at Arsenal. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, that's, that's big dough for a guy who is... Like, I, I'm sure you lads have seen the statistics for David Luiz over the weekend there. Um, was it once every 
hundred and something games, Brent, he gave away a penalty and so many games he got a red card. Yeah. When it's like one in thirteen games he gets a red and one in six or something he gives away a penalty for us. <laughs> 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 Do you know what I mean? Like and we spoke about it before, like how I'm I'm fucking sick to death of us taking Chelsea shit. Like we took Patter Cech, who in his first proper game for Arsenal, let the easiest goal ever go past him against West Ham. We got beat 2-0 at the Emirates. Took David Luiz. There's rumoured we're going to take William mm. because the agent of William and David Luiz is, has came out on Talk Sport over the last week and basically told all the inside going-ons at Arsenal. Why, why do you want... Why is an agent coming out and saying that type of stuff about Arsenal? But never mind. Back to the game on, on Saturday. Oh, boy. Basuma talked about it, attacks you on Saturday. How the fuck that bastard never got sent off or even got a yellow card is beyond me. Six fouls, boys, not even a yellow card. Like, what the fuck? Like, do, you, do you know the last player who went that amount of fouls and didn't get booked was Jordan Ayew? Seven fouls. Do you know who that was against? Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> fucking don't tell me there isn't a fucking bast against Arsenal from referees. Like, when was like, that? This season? Oh, this season? <laughs> yeah! Like, fucking hell. <laughs> and uh, uh, the thing that's really pissed me off the most, and you know what it is, like the injury to Burnt Leno, like, that, is it Mope? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. yeah. He, he may not have intentionally went in there to injure Burnt Leno. I get that. I'm not saying the guy did intentionally go in to injure him. But there was absolutely no need for him to jump into him because the ball was gone. And it's dangerous, like that can always happen. And the thing is, when ben Leno hit the ground and was in pain, the first thing that we twacked on was he's outside the penalty area trying to get a free kick. It's just, it's just wrong. Like, and then from the come out slobbering after the game, saying Arsenal got what they deserved. Fuck him. You, do you know what the problem was there? And everyone said it. None of them Arsenal players went into Burn Leno's defence. None of them were over in his face. Not one single player was battering that guy the rest of the game. See if that was freaking Tony Adams, Martin Keown, Ray Parter. He would have been booted into the air 1,000 times throughout that game. Like, it just shows the mentality of these players. Like, it just seems like Arsenal players did not want the season to resume. Like, they're just not bothered. And then uh, Gunnar Blood made a good point on a podcast that has the pay cut effect then? Are they not, is their head not in it anymore? It seems like they're not. Like, there was no fight. There was, there was nothing there. Like, like our, we, we talked before the league resumed that Arsenal aren't that far off, European spots, Champions League spots, but there's no, there's no fight there. There's, they, don't, they don't seem to have the heart to go and try and get it. And like we have some tough games coming up. We have to play at Tottenham as well. and um, Liverpool. Liverpool, up the Emirates, and God knows how that's going to go down. Like, the issue is we don't... Our defence is poor, we know that. With William Saliba coming in the summer, and God help that fella, because all our hopes were put on him at 18 years of age. But Arsenal don't have a guy in the middle of midfield who's going to play them balls through that bombing and take the pressure off the defence. Danny Ceballos is, I'm sorry, he has to go. Like, I, I have a list here of players that Arsenal need to let go this summer. Read us. Here we go, here we go. Top of the list, David Luiz, gone. See you later, 7 million, fuck off. Socrates, got to go. Mustafi, Torreira, Ceballos, Cedric Suarez. Tell me what that was about. <laughs> Why have we signed Cedric Suarez to nurse him back to health? Tell me that. I don't get that one. Pablo Marie, apparently we've signed him for 14 million. He's out till November. He'll probably not play again until, what, next year? Because he'll need time to adapt and get back. Yeah. Mesut Ozil, why, why is he still at Arsenal? 350,000 a week doing nothing. And he's not leaving. He said again he's not going. He's run out his contract. So he can go on the free to find a batch you know, Lacazette, I think we should sell him and just rebuild Aubameyang, sell him too. Because you know what? Lacazette has not been the same player this year. And I like Lacazette. He was our player of the season last year. And you know I like him. But we have to, we have to realise that these guys are running down their contracts. Like every other dickhead. Like Alexis Sanchez done. Like Ozil done. Van Persie. Nasri. All these guys have done it. And they went for pittance or went for nothing. It's, it, the mentality has changed at Arsenal. It comes from the board down. What does Edu... What is his job at Arsenal? What's he doing? Raul Zanetti, he needs to... He has a lot of questions to answer. He had a good summer with transfers, but what's going on at Arsenal now? Is that... Is that... um, Sorry to cut you off, but that point about the run the contracts down specifically, is that 
the player's fault, or is that the way the club is being run? Well, do you know what? Ralston had said last year, and he's put his head in the noose for saying it. He said any player that goes into the second last year of their contract and won't sign will be sold. And he's let a Bamiang yeah. run down to the final year. And Ozil's run down to the final year. You know, there's, there's a couple of players there like that are in that situation. Danny Welbeck, Aaron Ramsey, both went for nothing in the summer. We could have got Yeah, Cazorla, to be fair, was injured. And now he's playing unbelievable in La Liga. Really there's, so, there's so many players here. Like there's so many players you even look for in the last 10, 15 years have just left Arsenal for nothing. Arsenal have went from invincible to mid-table in the space of 15 years or whatever it is. Like there are serious, serious issues there. Like, mm. We are we are a mid-table team, and any Arsenal fan that won't admit it is just kidding themselves. You don't you don't see them as a top six anymore then at the minute? No, we're not. And someone said on online the other day, and you know what, you can't really disagree with them. They should get rid of the top six and kick Arsenal out of it and make it a top five. Because we're eleven not. points off fourth at the moment. We're not even going to get Europa League. No, I, I, I'm actually, I was, I'm really surprised um, by how you have started back, um, because obviously I championed the whole way through lockdown there. That I was really impressed, and you have to remember Arsenal were unbeaten in 2020. Um, yeah, and in, the league, in yeah. the league, yeah, in the league, in the league. Um, and they're and they're going quite well in the league, and and I, I really thought with Arteta, you would start back now. Obviously, Man City is a tough game away from home. Don't get me wrong; it's probably up there one of the, the toughest, if not second toughest, whatever league home away game, with or without fans. Um, so I didn't really, I didn't take that result into consideration, um, especially not with the way David Luiz got on. But Saturday was, as you said, um, was really weird. And it, it was, uh, it's a good point you made, where it was almost as if the wage cut or something has annoyed these players, or if something has gone on where there doesn't seem to be much of a fight. Uh, I know Guendouzi will run around and try and fight with everyone and, and, and whatever and and different things, and, and obviously he's got himself, him and Mopay seem to be at each other the whole game. I think that's who Mopay was aiming his uh, digs at, obviously, when he's finished. But... Um, yeah, it is a strange situation, and you just wonder if um, there's a bit of a rotten core going on there. There was rumours coming out that uh, Guendouzi and Arteta had maybe had a bit of a, a, a fallout over something. Um, then David Ornstein yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, he did his piece, and he talked about how Arsenal, even the preparations, Johnny, for, for Wednesday night's game, they didn't arrive into Manchester until quarter past five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And playing at eight o'clock. Um, and, like, you know, and then last week, it was last week, Three players were supposedly tested positive for COVID nineteen, only to then get them retested and get sorted, and to see it came back as a false negative, and people were in quarantine, and then they had to come back in. So that whole week was disrupted. It just sort of feels as if everything's happening at the same time. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. It's 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 sort of it's all snowballing now, and that's why it's all coming at all sides. So it is a weird one as an Arsenal. I think the rebuilding. I get what you mean by getting rid of those players, but if I think if you got rid of all those players, you're going to get relegated because you, you you'll have to start playing too many youth players and you'll just be chinned and and I mean Arsenal relegated is just that's that's very unthinkable. Um, so I, I wouldn't get rid of all of them. The Torreya one, I want to talk to you about Torreya. Maybe you weren't you hadn't didn't have this down, but what's going on there? Well, he, he is still uh, from what's coming out of Arsenal. It's going to be about three weeks till he's back in like proper training I couldn't see him playing the rest of the season to be honest guys because you know three weeks passes we're near kind of the end of the fixtures and things like that there and it's probably not worth risking him to be out again injured but he's he's flirted with Italian clubs and then Baca Juniors there a few weeks ago and it's just kind of got it's just wind me up so much like I'm just kind of getting fed up with him saying I want to play for this club and I want to go back to Italy and all that crap so I know I know there's money there to be made off for her. So if he wants to go, I think we should just let him go. And the point you made about Gwen Doozy, if it's true that he was winding Brighton players up saying, I get paid as forty thousand a week, you'll never make what I make, then as much as a good player he is, but Arsenal should either really, really punish him or do you know what, he should go as well, because that's not what Arsenal's about. You know, like that's that's just that's childish behaviour. He needs to realise he hasn't met it yet. Um, although Guendouzi is a good player, I don't think Guendouzi is as good as what some people make him out to be. 
Like yeah. he, he runs about and that's great, but you know, where's the final ball? Where's the pass? You know, we pass it from side to side, but what else does he do? You know, there's been one ball I can recall all season that Guendouzi's played that's led that goal, and it was the Aubameyang one against Spurs. Bar that, like you know, I don't know. So I maybe maybe I'm not seeing what other people are seeing, like, but I don't rate him as highly as what other people do. You know, he's not. Uh, I think Martinelli's light years ahead of him already, and I don't understand why he hasn't been playing the last two games. He's yeah, he's fit. That's been strange. So yeah. it's we don't know what's going on there. You know. There's a lot of weird things going on at Arsenal and it just seems like it's going to go further and further downhill. And I can't really blame Mikel Arteta for everything. He's a new coach. He's going to make mistakes and hopefully he can, he can learn from these mistakes quickly so we can try and get somewhere back to where we were before. Who do you play next, Johnny? Southampton away on Thursday evening, I think. And they're in good form. Who, who had a good start, yeah. Yeah, so I know like none of the games are going to be easy. They're not easy in the Premier League. No. Um, I just think the season's really over for Arsenal, and Arteta's maybe just trying players out in certain positions to see how they get on. It just feels that way. But the fact Mate. that he made three subs, I think it was the eighty-seventh minute or eighty-eighth minute, and there weren't really subs that were going to go out and win you the game. Yeah, it might it mightn't be a bad thing that he can use this time now to try. Younger players will try different systems and maybe try life without the Bamiang and Lacazette and see how you get on with Pepe and um, Martinelli um, up front or whatever. So yeah, it's it's a strange one. Like it, it as I said, it just seems to be snowballing at Arsenal. And I said this to to Brenton. Uh, we were watching the Chelsea and Villa game, and we'll talk about that very quickly or soon. Sorry. Um, and I said to Brenton that on Sunday there that I think he's lucky that it. There is only so many games left because, say, we were only halfway through the season, you'd be in proper panic mode. Yeah, a lot of them were, sure. I think it was around January time we were free-falling. <laughs> wasn't, uh, or sorry, December, January time before, or no, it was December. Sorry, it was December. Yeah. Tato was appointed in December. So, yeah, we, we hadn't won a game in, since October, the start of October or something like that. So, it's, it is worrying. You know, like, like when I said about getting rid of all these players, like, I mean, trying to sell as many of them as possible and reinvest in that money smartly yeah. because we haven't got the same money as Man City or Chelsea. We need to be smart with our money. And let's be honest, we haven't been offering big contracts to players who don't deserve it, taking players that are coming for one last paycheck to, to Arsenal. And it's just the whole mentality of the entire club's just crap. It is. And I don't think things were ever this bad at Liverpool, though. Like, I can't really remember, but... No, um, th- they did get bad, but... It wasn't for as a sustained period as it is with Arsenal. We sort of, um, with Hodgson came in obviously, and and that didn't work out. But it wasn't just Hodgson, obviously. Like it was people at the top of the club weren't running it well, and then the Rodgers era was whatever. But it wasn't really until Michael Edwards came in alongside obviously Kloppo, and who gets the the big praise for it. That you can sort of see now how well the club has been run, and I think that's maybe what Arsenal's biggest signing could be is I don't know what you said about Edu is jury still out in Edu like so maybe we should give him time but um maybe it, it is a more of a, a director like what Michael Edwards is doing and, and the way we're able to get deals done. Um maybe inter- it's interesting times at Arsenal certainly like it's it's they're 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 the club now that everyone sort of pays attention to because you don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Um which is never really a good situation to be in. That's the way we used to be in and we're not in it now, but it comes round again. So, and no doubt in 10, 15 years' time, we'll be a basket case. Like, remember a fucking uh, beach ball scored against us? <laughs> so, um, you know, we've, we've had everything. Like, um, speaking of beach balls, uh, Frank Lampard got a win on Sunday, Brenton. Uh, I'm only jesting. We all love Frank. He's very handsome. Um, we watched the game. Uh, what did you make of it, Brenton? Um, just as a as a whole, as a game to watch your, your team. Obviously, we'll talk about Johnny's team. And um, how did you find sitting down to watch your team with no fans? Um, I didn't overly notice it to be honest. Um, yeah. because well, first of all, uh, I, I am a fan of the crowd noise. Um, it really um focuses your attention on the pitch because it it just sounds like it's normal. It sounds like you're watching a normal match. So. Um, I didn't notice it to be honest. The uh, and probably I've noticed it in other games more because in this game I was just um, 
quite nervous and quite um, interested to see how, how Chelsea would start. Um, and it was the exact same in terms of um, before the break. We played the, the style of football we've been playing all season. Um, we dominated the ball. Like, I mean, dominated the ball like I, I haven't seen Chelsea do. Uh, interestingly enough, Chelsea have had 29 games this season where they've had the majority of possession, which is the most out of any team in the Premier League, which really surprises me, you know, when you're looking at Man City and Liverpool. Um, it just shows you the, the style that Frank really wants to <clears throat> impose. And it also shows you that we've had that many games with um, the majority of possession and we're still, you know, only clinging on to fourth. So it, it does show that... <clears throat> With all that possession, we still need that kind of killer instinct to um, break through the the sort of final block that teams have been setting up. And it was the same. It was the exact same at Villa. Like, fair play to Villa. They, they came um, with the game plan that they know has worked against Chelsea this season with a low block and um, kind of trying to break when they, when they could. Um, and it worked for them in the first half. They got the goal. Um, and... The second half started the exact same, and and it was only with the introduction of um, Pulisic mainly um, that that Chelsea were able to get those two quick fire goals, and then they, they did look kind of comfortable after that. I think Villa had tired themselves out from all that running around after the ball, but I mean Chelsea had seventy four, seventy five percent possession, I think, in the game. So um, it's it, it there's good signs there, but also you know you can see why. Um, Ziyech and um, Werner um, are, are being signed because they need players like that to, to go beyond and um, kind of make that final incision. Yeah, and I just want to talk as well, like you were saying about the killer instinct, which is is, is coming, mm-hmm. you would think, um, with Timo Werner and, and Ziyech and potentially who else. But... You, you have, and I have noticed that as well. Like I'm sure you have too, Johnny. That Chelsea's sort of they had Sari ball last year, um, which somehow sometimes is hard to work out. But there is definitely a, a distinct um play that Lampard's trying to bring in the Chelsea. And it is possession based, and you would wonder as well, are they maybe they've gone for Zayat and they've gone for Werner? But do they need to maybe reinforce and get more of a a creative player in the middle? My thing is, if you have Werner and and Ziyech, I they're going to play out wide. And I know that there's a talk of Giroud's obviously going to stay there. And there is Tammy Abraham, who's very good. But I think then if you don't have, like the way Liverpool have it with the wide men, they have Firmino in the middle and you can bounce everything off him. And is Pulisic going to be that number 10, do you think, that Chelsea could use in the middle of a front three that could? Because when he came on, um, it, it wasn't a great game. Um, at least there was goals in it on, on Sunday. But there hasn't been really great games uh, yet since the leagues have come back but when Pulisic came on he noticeably made a massive difference to the game he, he sort of changed the whole game and you could see Villa didn't know how to deal with him and he was popping up in different spaces and he obviously scored scored the goal and he wasn't tracked and his run coming in behind great ball by Aspilicueta but I just wonder I know we'd lay him to me on a couple of weeks ago lads but I just wonder is is this going to be a case now where Frank maybe changes it and he does find himself a number 10 and he plays him centrally, and he plays the two lads out wide. What do you make of that? Um, I I think Chelsea might they could maybe do something similar to what Liverpool have been doing. You know, when Mane, Salah, Firmino are all interchanging, and it's kind of difficult to mark them types of players who are never staying in the one position. Like Timo Werner might go into the central role, and Tommy Abraham might go out wide. Or, but uh, I was I was listening yesterday quite interesting that. Chelsea have been linked again to, to Declan Rice um, to play at centre half. Now, I know Chelsea have um, it's the young man Tamori coming through, who's been fantastic this year, and Rhys James and players they got in the back. But the problem that do do they have? I know there's financial fair play and things they got there, and Chelsea can benefit from the way the current crisis is going because they have the money. But if they're going to bring in that creative midfielder that you think they're lacking, you know. It's going to probably cost them, and might they have used all their money so far on Ziyech and bringing in Timo Werner? I don't know, but um, what, what what do you think, Brent? Do you think Chelsea really need to bring in like a, a number ten or a creative midfielder? 
No, I don't think so. I don't think that's the um, the main thing they need. I think the he, he kind of has enough options there at the minute. I think, as you say, he could you know still play that. My my thing would be if he's going to play that sort of similar. Um, sort of front three that are kind of interchangeable. It'd be Werner in the middle, Pulisic and um, Ziyech or, you know, hudson Adoy there. Mount can play in that position. There's there's options there. Abraham can come in and, and uh, Giroud can come in there in the middle instead. And, um, you know, we saw that um, Giroud can can be that sort of presence that the ball kind of bounces off him. And, um the way it does for me now, I know he's different in, in structure and um sure he can get on the end of things too. Um but I think you know it was good to see Loftus cheek back as well. He didn't have the best game, but it was good to just stay, see him get through 60, 65 minutes and um you know have seemingly no injury problems, which is great. Um I thought Barkley, you know, doesn't get enough mention sometimes, but when he came on he, he made a difference as well with Pulisic. There was times that I said to you, Phil, when we were watching it, that the same pattern was happening time and time again, where the ball was coming into the middle, it was going out wide to Alonso or Aspilicueta, and they were just pumping balls in. Like I don't have the stats, I don't know how many crosses there were, but a couple of times Barkley got the ball, and he could have played it out wide to Alonso, but he came inside, and that's actually where the second goal came from. He came inside and gave it to Mount, who, who bounced it off Giroud, and then eventually it um, came to Giroud's feet, and, and he he put it in like so um i think there's enough options there in sort of creative midfield and um the the real thing chelsea need i think which we saw from from sunday was reinforcement of defense alonso was not good enough defensively we've known that for years um it's well documented that lampard wants chillwell center half you know I know Tamori is injured at the minute, so if he comes back in with Rudiger, I think that will be my starting two at the minute. But it's maybe not, you know, it's not going to win you a league, and that's eventually where Chelsea want to go. So strengthening there um, is probably more important. And I think midfield, you know, if Kante um, played in, in Houghton midfield, and he was he was really really good for me. It was a valid match. Um, I know Aspilicueta got two assists, but Kante was cleaning everything up. When Villa did try and break, um, Grealish I thought was quiet because um, he was, you know, snuffled out a good good few times by Kante and others. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, Declan Rice I don't think uh, I would be overly keen on. Um, certainly not in centre half. I, I don't think he would improve what Chelsea already have in centre half. And in midfield, like we have Kante and Jorginho there, um, Kovacic, who's looked great this season. I don't think he would get in the team really, to be honest. And I don't, and I think you would probably have to pay a premium because he's English slash Irish. Um, so Sorry, what? what Irish is he? You sure? <laughs> don't know. Um, but yeah, good signs. But also, I think Lampard said as well after the game, there's there's obvious signs for improvement too. Yeah, the defense one is one you were talking about, obviously during the game because. Um, Davies up front, especially in the first half, was just mm-hmm. causing issues. And, and I know um, Christensen and Rudiger as well couldn't seem to pass the ball for some reason. Which, I, I mean, I, I think Christensen is 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 okay if mm-hmm. he's your third choice. And I really I rate Rudiger. Um, yeah. If Liverpool ever had a chance to sign Rudiger, I'd sign Rudiger. I think he's class. But I, that would be to add someone into that because I can't. They did do a lot of work and. Aston Villa aren't, yeah, they're not the best team in the world, so you'd wonder how you'll get along on Thursday night against Man City. Yeah. Can't take it, have to have an unbelievable game. I think Jorginho is available for that match, though. No, I don't think he is. I think he's still suspended. Still suspended. Um, yeah, because um, his, his two games are still oh, two after games. the break, yeah. I thought it was one, sorry. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought Chelsea were, like, uh, they, they, they just, as the, the low block that Villa had was... Uh, two two blocks and it was the perfect illustration of of uh, defense v attack training session. It really was, and and, and Villa looked like they were going to be okay. That when they took the lead, I sort of worried then. I was like, how are Chelsea going to break this down? Because there is nothing really uh, coming off for them. And, and Loftus Cheek his first game back, so you can't really, as you said, you have to give him his dues. Like he hasn't played in what nine months, um. So that's going to take time. I mean, if he'd have come back and scored a hat trick, you'd be thinking. Christ, this boy's going to end up winning the Ballon d'Or here. 
But um, yeah, so as I said, Pulisic was such an influence on it. And it was, I found it a wee bit strange that Giroud started ahead of Abraham and then obviously Giroud gets his goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would wonder what's going on with Tammy there now. And, you know, I know there have been talks about his... <clears throat> His uh, contracts talks sort of stalled, I think, a wee bit, so there's nothing been announced just yet. So you do wonder maybe if there's still something in the background, not really right there, but we'll never know. Um, yeah, and Chelsea had a great weekend, to be honest, because the results yeah. that went around them. Um, they started with a restart looking over their shoulders and a little bit worried, like, I know you, I don't, don't know if you said on the podcast, but I know all the Chelsea fans are sort of thinking, like, we need to get a win here. Definitely, yeah, it was. The results that went their way with United and Tottenham drawing on Friday night. Uh, only Wolves really picking up points, and Sheffield United looking in big trouble. They're now five points clear, and, I mean, one other win and another round of results going their way, and Chelsea are home and host for Champions yeah. League next season. They're, um, you know, and Leicester have been clawed back into that as well, I think. Um, you know, Chelsea only three points behind them now, and Leicester, I mean, I think Leicester have Brighton, is it tonight? Six or? o'clock. Yeah, so that's, you know, after what they did to Arsenal, that's a tough game. Um, Leicester don't look the best uh, that they've looked all season. Um, but yeah, it's, like, it's by no means over. Like, Chelsea have a tough run, and obviously starting with Man City. Um, and United have uh, easier games on paper, you would say. So they're still within within touching distance, definitely. Um, but yeah... Definitely, it seemed like results um, results elsewhere were nearly better than than the Chelsea result. I know that sounds stupid because they won, but like um, they really couldn't have gone any better. You know that Tottenham United game being a draw and um, Chelsea United stumbling, as you said, Wolves the only one really picking up points. So um, it was a good weekend. But the games are coming thick and fast now. And and good sort of thing about that is the Chelsea squad seems to be massive right now. It seems to be, um, you know, especially with the five subs, they seem to really be able to, as you saw on Sunday, make changes, like change the game with, with the substitutions that they can make. So that's a real advantage too. Um, well, what, what do you make of the William and Pedro situations? Because they have to sign today or they're done. Yeah. Um, they're dust, so- Phil. They're so, done. They're done. So I know, and you, which is interesting because the squad did look great, but yeah. you lose those two players, and I know people will say, "Well, they're coming towards the end of their career." These players have won everything. Pedro, especially, has won every single trophy he could have won, more or less. Yeah. He has actually. He um. Has. So and William has won quite a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um. So is, I mean, I mean losing those two not players. Pedro's going to to Roma. Sorry. He is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Whether he, he signs like uh, an, extension. an extension. Okay. Um, same with William. The William one's interesting, as you said, JD earlier, like the um, the Arsenal links. I think I saw them again this morning. Please uh, don't, Brandon. Please, <laughs> please don't. Burn I, I think Williams, I, I know you've been burned by Chelsea before. I think William's different to Jack and Louise, Johnny, if I'm honest. I still think William. Can offer. I I think he he would get in Liverpool squad. He he wouldn't start obviously that front three, but he get in Liverpool squad, and I think he get on Man City squad. I still think he's a lot to offer. Like he's still a good player. No, he he would start for us. There's absolutely no doubt. It's just wages. It's his wages. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And then like what what a lot of us probably don't understand. Like behind the scenes, there's agent fees and there's signing on fees. Yeah. Even though he's free, there's still a signing on fee. So like, it's money I just think can be invested elsewhere. Like Williams like a plaster it's a short term fix there's a crack there don't want him like I'd rather he go somewhere else and we invest elsewhere but like like you were saying there sorry just not to digress away from Chelsea but Chelsea do have a when you were actually listing all the names there from midfield Chelsea has some serious serious amount of players in there even if them two go like I forgot about like Ross Barkley and Jorginho and flip me like mm-hmm. there's there's myself Mason Mount in the middle there like <laughs> there's there's so many players like it's it's it, it's it's envious like to see Chelsea like are on the upward spiral again like they're probably going to win the league in the next five years at some stage like, when Frank gets his whole squad together like it's yeah Timo Werner coming in Zayas like you know we should have been going after him last year and we could have like we I think Zayas actually had a, a release clause at one stage that then it passed like a certain deadline or whatever but you know teams should have been all over him. Before Chelsea even got near him, but again, too slow. But yeah, it's exciting times for Chelsea. That their fans should be 
should be pleased with how things are going. It's the it's the boards. Is, uh, there's so much that, like when you compare it with Arsenal, the um, the Chelsea board is just seems to be on the bait. You know, with with all of these situations, like they they were obviously not favourites to sign Werner. Like that was well documented about Liverpool, but they they obviously kept an eye on the situation and kept their ear to the ground and. Um, they were right in there like vultures when when Liverpool sort of pulled out, um, and that's why they were able to probably get him because Lampard had been on the phone to him and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, we are blessed to have a very good board right now. And Marina Granovskaya, like she is just the queen of transfers, like in and out. And that's probably what you're talking about, JD, with with Arsenal too. Like she's really done Arsenal over a couple of times um, in terms of the money that we've got. Um, for certain players um, but I ag- actually agree with you uh, and I would I would want to keep William at Chelsea like I would but a three year deal that he wants is too much um, I- I'd yeah. be happy enough with a two year deal like I think the club want one year extension but um, if I was Arsenal, an Arsenal fan and like taking out the Chelsea bass I wouldn't want I wouldn't want William there either to be honest I, I just think signing on the likes of Saka and Martin Alley and getting their contracts extended is way more important. And like, if you can offer them, you know, a bit more money, because um, I think there's, you know, Saka at the minute is kind of stolen, isn't he on his deal? He so, is. He's stolen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't know whether it's agents in, in his in his ear or anything, but from from what I've read, it's been two hundred and eighty five days since an Arsenal player signed a contract extension. Yeah. Goodness. I think it's so important to keep him, like, and just sort of. Tell him that he's he's going to be a big part of the future at Arsenal and he's going to be the main focus of it because he is one of the bright parts about Arsenal at the minute. And they're, right, right now, there isn't a lot of bright things about Arsenal. So him and Martinelli, I think, I would be starting to kind of build my team around the likes of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, the only I would take Willian at Liverpool, but he wouldn't be getting a two-year deal. He'd be getting a one-year deal and it would be on our terms. What are we getting paid? Yeah. Um, but certainly uh, for playing ability, I think he's still a very good player. Um, the last game then on Sunday night was the Merseyside Derby. Uh, I, th- I saw a lot of, I completely just blanked out of my head how bad Derbys can be at Goodison Park. And I saw a few people, non Liverpool and Everton people, saying that from now on we should just pencil this in as a draw and not play the game. And I, I'd actually go along with it because um, since 2015, there's only been three go- goals scored at Goodison. A 1 0 win for Liverpool in 2016. Mane scored in the last second. And then a one-all draw, Brendan Rodgers' last game in 2015, uh, Danny Ings scored. So uh, I can't remember who scored for Everton that day. But um, yeah, it, it was it was it just lived up to what it's been like at Goodison Park. Uh, it was just another grind um, for Liverpool to get through. Um, I thought I thought Ancelotti set his team up brilliantly. Um, it really did, and I haven't seen enough of that to be honest. People giving Don Carlo credit, and, and people that listen to this show, people know me, know I adore Carlo Ancelotti. I think he's brilliant. Um, but he, he does he has Klopp's number it seems at times, and um, Everton were class defending, and then their best player Dejan Lovren came on, and they almost won the game. <laughs> um, he came on, and within. Three minutes, they had three clean-cut chances, including an unbelievable save from Alison Becker. And then Tom Davies hits the post. And then he falls over, and he uh, Lovren falls over, and he lets Ricardson in again. And it's another brilliant save from Alison. Um, so, yeah, it was strange. Now, I, I think people... Um, I've saw a few journalists um, now say that it's going to be an anticlimactic finish for Liverpool and Liverpool's fans. Um, if and when they can get this done, um, I find that really weird sometimes. The journalists try and tell fans how to feel, especially if, if you're not even part of that club. You know, if if you follow someone else, but you're telling fans how to feel, I find that very very strange behaviour. Um, how would it be anticlimactic if you win a league after waiting thirty years and then having to go through a global pandemic to then wait for it? It actually makes it even even matter in my terms. It's like how how do we survive this? But I find that really strange behaviour. I think people have watched Liverpool this season and then all of a sudden, because they ha- they aren't winning every game, there seems to be this need to suddenly pick holes and everything. Whereas, really and truly, we were playing Everton in a derby. It's not as if Everton are going to lie down, especially not at Goodison Park, which they don't do. 
um, and just give us a win. Like Everton were class in, in defending and their shape. I thought the two fullbacks at Everton were brilliant. Seamus Coleman, like to see him back yeah. and and and, sh- and shackle and and uh, look after Manny the way he did. Lucas Digny completely nullified Trent Alexander Arnold. Yes, you're missing Robertson and Salah, and they obviously when you have Robertson one side and Trent on the other side, that's part of our play. That wasn't there, but that's not an excuse really. Not t- not taken away from how Everton played at the back. Um, I, th- I just think people are really quick to try and kick Klopp and Liverpool down when they don't win a game. I thought on Liverpool side. Uh, Minamino was really sharp. He was the best of the front three. I thought Kaita in midfield was our best midfielder, and, and things everything's looked to be going through him. At the back, obviously, at times Van Dyke, and I, I, we couldn't hear it because I, I was listening to it with a crowd noise. But there was journalists at it were saying that he was just dictating the whole game. Mm-hmm. And I think the next time Liverpool play, I think it's tomorrow night against Crystal Palace. I'm going to try and turn the crowd noise off because I want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Van Dyke was the orchestrator. He was telling everyone where to pass. Mm-hmm. Who was going on? So who man on pressure all this here, and, and I would love to hear that. But yeah, it, it wasn't a great Merseyside derby. And another point: we're five points from winning this thing now. Um, was it six years ago in one of the worst weeks ever? Um, we played Chelsea and Crystal Palace, um, and the thing flipped. And now we have a chance to flip it back. Um, if we beat Palace tomorrow night and if Chelsea do what they seem to love doing and denying teams league titles, evil bastards, um, <laughs> then we have, you know, Thursday night I could be crying my eyes out and Liverpool could have a league title. So, yeah, it is mad. Like, it, it's, I, I actually quite enjoyed the fact that Liverpool were back. Um, and one thing as well, and I'll let you have a chat in a minute, I enjoyed how Everton put up all different uh, multi-nations flags. On one side of Goodison Park, I don't know if it was to represent either fan clubs or to represent players, their players. But I thought that was a nice touch. I haven't really seen much of that. So the one side of Goodison, it was the side the TV cameras weren't on, unfortunately, or were on, so you couldn't see it. But you saw it in the build-up. It was all in multinational flags. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, all in all, like Carlo Ancelotti against Kloppo, he knows what to be at. And I think really, instead of just la- kicking Liverpool or whatever, I think people should be looking at this thing and. That is a really good result from Ancelotti, and he like to eat Anthony Gordon playing like a young yeah. to give a youngster a debut in a derby, and who didn't look out of place? No, he was good. I mean, he was good, like and yeah, I, I look, I was I was impressed by Everton, um, which is not an easy thing to say when you hate them, but um, I was impressed by Everton, and I think really going forward, Everton fans can be happy with what Carlo's doing there, and if they can add players in the summer, who knows what's going on in transfer windows from clubs, then they'll be right in the mix next year for European places. Yeah, they will. They will definitely. It's um, again, it's kind of depressing for me to talk about because it's it's again another team that's going in the right direction. Everton and they have a world class manager there. Let's be honest. Like Ancelotti's won Champions Leagues and he's won the Premier League before, and he he knows what the league's about now because he's been there before with Chelsea. So, um, like they had they had the main boy Alex Wobi on as well. Like so, <laughs> you know what 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 else could they want? The I didn't get to see the the entire game. Because uh, I had other things to do, but um, I, I enjoy the crowd noise. It uh, like Brandon said, like didn't really notice the fans were missing, but yeah. it it kind of like you are more focused on what's actually going on in the pitch. Uh, I watched the the game last week against Man City without the crowd noise, and sure there was no shouting from our players. We don't have a Van Dijk, but <laughs> I think that's a I think that's actually a really good point, Phil. I think it's something for you know young lads who are coming up and looking to play the game. Maybe they should watch it without the crowd noise and listen to players like Van Dyke and Jordan Henderson and, and see what they're doing because I was actually speaking with one of our uncles the other day about Jordan Henderson and he may not be the most like technically gifted player but it's what he does on the pitch you know he's a leader you know I remember you telling me about the England game Phil where Henderson was basically telling everybody what to do where to go you know getting everyone back into shape do you need players like that in your team and that's why Liverpool have been so successful like they have that in their goalkeeper, in their centre half, in their midfield. That midfield Liverpool's is so athletic. You know, they're they're monsters, machines. Like the whole team. You think of the players. You you say you're missing Salah there. You're missing Robertson, but you, you probably wouldn't even know they were missing there the other night because you just have such quality, such strength and depth. You have a great manager, and I know <laughs> we all know. Like as soon as a team that's going for the league, you know, draws a game everybody's bouncing all over them. It's just, it comes with the territory, but 
it's just jealousy. It's envy from other clubs who, especially from your mates down in Manchester, you know, both both sides of Manchester, funny enough, are just they're raging that Liverpool are finally going to do it. And don't get me wrong, like I think you are balling the bastards too, like, but you, you deserve it, like, and nobody can argue that this year. Liverpool, without doubt, deserve to win the league this year, and it'll probably be this time next week, Phil, that you the ball in your eyes out, probably back on the beer and. <laughs> times will be starting to look good again after these last couple of months of pure shit in the pandemic it would be nice um, poetry for us fans if it was this week where we beat Palace tomorrow night and City are beat by Chelsea on Thursday night just to you know like a sliding doors moment like a to look back in 2014 where we had that week where it all went wrong with Palace and Chelsea and for it all to go good again and Palace and Chelsea to be involved again it would be um, quite a nice little moment but that we need five points from a possible 24, so just get it done, and whenever it gets done, we'll just go mad then from our houses. So, yeah, people are just so quick to try and, and pick holes in, in teams that do well. Um, but as you said, it is just jealousy, and um, I, I love the asterisk talk. Klopp even said he wants an asterisk beside our name because we could manage to win it in a global pandemic. Pep Guardiola came out last night after the match and said, look, Liverpool have won this league and they deserve it, and they've been brilliant and all like but whatever um the derby was there another shite derby at, at goodison park Um, i feel for everton fans a little bit because they just i don't know when they'll ever win a derby again Um, that's 22 now 22 games unbeaten in the derby um for Liverpool. many years is that I, I i think the last one they won was uh the the Four or famous five years, surely. the famous pepe arena when he dropped it in when andy johnson was playing he dropped into the back and then I think that might be the last one. Um, I'm not 100 sure. I don't remember another one. So um, Spurs went nine years without beating Arsenal on stage. So yeah, I think Everton are close to that certainly. But um, look, they will win one soon. But I'm glad it wasn't on Sunday night. Um, before we sort of finish off, the, the, we talked briefly about some of the other four, the other teams involved in the top four race. Um, Don Rahul Jimenez was mm. back, boys. Back doing what he does. Someone asked me, um, I don't know if it was uh, off WhatsApp or uh, just as a conversation the other day, is there anyone in the league I'd want to buy? I think it was a brother-in-law uh, of ours, Brent and Brian, asked me who I'd want to buy. And I, I can't believe I didn't say it. It's Don Raul. Don Raul is who I want Liverpool to buy. If, if we have to move off uh, Origi, which will break my heart, and other players and we get enough in the pot, go and get Don Raul. I would absolutely love that. That would just be perfect for me because I, I cannot stop watching them. Last night, and this is so... Was it last night? No, it was Sunday night. I was watching YouTube videos of him being interviewed in Spanish. Why? Because I, 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 I'm, I'm absolutely obsessed with him. I, I, just, I don't know what it is. I just love him. I just love the way he plays football. Um, his header was... like Brent will enjoy this too because he's a big man. His header was so perfect. On Saturday against West Ham, and um, Wolves, like if I was United, um, the Wolves would be the team I'd be worried about the most, because if, say if, for instance Leicester win tonight, they go I think it's what's uh, nine or something clear or whatever United or eleven whatever it is clear, um, and then you have Wolves over their shoulder and United play Sheffield Wednesday or Sheffield United sorry tomorrow night so, I mean. That would be the team I'd be keeping an eye on because they have started really well. And Neve, or not Neve, sorry, Nuno Espirito Santo, his um, CV and, and, and the amount of people cl- going to be clambering for him yeah. when his time as Wolves is just rising by the minute. He reminds me so much of Kloppo. <clears throat> it's yeah. the way he gets on. And he made a point, a point after the game when he talked about how they'd actually looked after the players' well-being. During lockdown, which you haven't really heard people saying, which I think was brilliant. Like so, he just seems to get. It. I really like Wolves. I hope Wolves can win the Europa League. Um, yeah. What do you think? Do you think they could be the team that could potentially bust the top four? Why not? Um, they have not the hardest running. Um, I know that there's there's still some really key games in that top four race, like Wolves have mm-hmm. to play. Well, obviously United play Sheffield United um, tomorrow. So Wolves as well. Wolves have to play Sheffield United, yeah. Um, and then that last game of the season, um, Wolves played Chelsea and Oof. Leicester play United. So, I mean, God knows what situation will be in at that point, but that that seems like it's just going to be pivotal um, in that top four or top five race, whatever 
it's going to be. Um, but Wolves are, are definitely right there. Like, and um, they play Bournemouth tomorrow night. Yeah, they have a couple of easy games on paper first, and then um, I think there there will be a couple of tight ones there. But same with everyone. Like everyone has their uh, agendas at this point. Like teams fighting for relegation too. Um, it'll be it'll be. Re- I think like United. Um, United will probably, for me, just get there. I think they um, they looked good against Spurs, even though it was a draw. Um, I, I think Fernandez and Pogba and Rashford are gonna probably get them over the line um, in terms of fifth. But phew, it'll be it'll be tight. It'll be it'll be a good, really good watch. I'm just raging they're not playing each other. Yeah, I know that is the big that you know because that would have been unreal. That's the one you want to see, or you know, well, depending on where Wolves are, um, come the the last day of the season, you know, it could be them and Chelsea for a playoff for fourth or third, even. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be juicy. I, yeah. I can, I, I, I can, I, I don't know. United did look good for the last 30, 30 minutes, especially when Pogba and Greenwood came on. Um, Fernandez was great the whole game, to be honest, for United, but the first half, United didn't look themselves. Um, That'll be really interesting to see how that goes. Obviously, Rashford's only back, so he'll get up and running soon. Spurs, on the other hand, um, didn't look great. Going forward, defensively, it was very Mourinho, especially the first half. It was perfect. Oh, so Mourinho. So perfect Mourinho. defense. Wasn't it perfect defensive Mourinho the first half? Which which is, again, you can't slate it. Like, if you win games, it got whatever. Um, but then they just died off in the second half, and United were all over them, and they managed to scrape through. Uh, I don't know who Spurs playing next. Oh, they play at West Ham, sorry, tonight. So, I mean, they could get a win tonight and then they're sort of in that mix too if they can get a run of games going. But yeah, I just feel Spurs are sort of way bit too far back. And I, I think Sheffield United have been worrying since they've come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that they've got, as you say, like they have some tough games coming up. Yeah. Like. And the, for the tune to smash them on Sunday. Um, and, and like, could have beat them by more. They were yeah. by far a better team, like... Um, so I, I think they they're probably going to slip out of this, but and it'll be between Leicester, Chelsea. I think Leicester will will, will be all right, but I think Chelsea, United, and Wolves for that last two sort of spots um, to break in the next year's Champions League. So it is going to be certainly interesting. I obviously want Don Raiola, and if he's not going to be there with the Wolves, I want him there with Liverpool. Um, no, no, just, no, 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 ain't going to use. We're, <laughs> we're, we're going to sell Lagazette and Aubameyang and buy Raul with that, so don't you well, worry. Well, there, there's clubs that are below Liverpool, far below Liverpool, that will be able to spend this summer, whereas Liverpool mightn't be able to, it seems. So, um, yeah, and, and it's not as if Wolves don't have any money. You know, they're well-backed. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting, but... um. Oh, when Don Raul scored the other day, I went wild. I just, I just love him. It's so weird. Like I just absolutely love the man. Like, um, so yeah. Hopefully someday I get to meet him. I'm just gonna give him a massive hug. Like, um, he scores all the time. Like, his form is is really, really good. Like, yeah, I think he scored like 900 goals in Europa League this year or something. He's like on a goal every minute or something in Europa League. It's he's been absolutely rinsing that thing. But um, yeah, we 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 will we'll have more chat obviously because there's games every day now. Until the end of July, which is just—I mean—that's just the chef's kiss to football fans. We, we deserve it. We do deserve it. So, um, that's I our final. <laughs> Come on, the Don Raul train, Johnny. You'll enjoy it. Like, um, so we finally have had a football podcast where we can talk about Premier League football, which is which has been great. Um, we'll be back next week, obviously, with more chat. Um, unless something wild happens, unless Liverpool win the the thing on Thursday night, I'd imagine. Um, some people will want my reaction to that um, so we might do something if I'm in any fit state to talk uh, coming up this week on the podcast obviously we have Sir Mel Kearns from BBC 5 Live and BBC World Service chatting to us on Wednesday about all things golf and sport and women's sport which we can't wait for and then myself and Steve O'Rourke will be back with the babble screen on it'll be out Friday lunchtime uh, we're going to look at the Warriors dynasty and a few other things. And are the Warriors the best NBA team you've ever seen? Um, so, yeah, a lot more coming up on the sports blog. We have a few more interviews and, and journalists coming on. So 
uh, stay tuned. As always, thanks for listening. Um, catch us on social media at the Sports Babble. And if you have any, in- any or questions for the podcasts, for myself, Johnny, Breton, and also Steve on the, on the Babble screen, drop us a line um, at the Sports Babble at gmail.com. Um, as always, boys, it's been a pleasure. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, I hope you get a win uh, soon for your sanity. Um, tomorrow night. I mean, it doesn't provide good content for the podcast. If they, if they lose, it provides great content. But I mean, just for us being mates and family, we'd like to see Arsenal get a win. So, um, yes, hopefully we've we've all got positive football results to talk about the next time we're back on. All right, lads, good luck.